Well, I have a very important question to ask you right at the beginning, and this is a, it's a very theological question. Are you ready for some football? Um, I have a feeling some of you have been going through withdrawal, and today is your day to enjoy uh, getting back to NFL football, and you're going to be watching your favorite team. And the jar, if you think about it, we're a team also. And if you're new or you've been connecting with us just briefly, we want to help you understand what team you might potentially be a part of. And so right after church today, um, we have something that we call First Steps with Chris. You go right through this hallway, and it's the first hallway on your left. And it's just 20 minutes, so you'll get there for kickoff, I promise. Just 20 minutes, but I'd like to meet you and to connect, and some of the other staff would as well. And we can share with you a little bit about what's going on in the life of the jar and uh, where we believe God is taking us next. You know, not only is the jar a team, but as a country, uh, we're a team as well. And today, uh, we remember something that happened 15 years ago, where the World Trade Center were bombed uh, as, air, as uh, airplanes went through and also uh, in Pennsylvania and at the Pentagon. And 15 years ago, when this happened, uh, it totally changed our world. And I have a feeling that every single one of you, if you were alive then, you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing when that took place. And honestly, our country and our world has never been the same since that moment. As terrorism, we see these stories all the time, and we're trying to yet understand how to get on with life. And I was thinking about it this week that the reality is, for most of us in this gymnasium this morning, is that many of us, we moved on. Uh, We just kept going on with life. But I was thinking today about the 2,977 people who died on that day. I was thinking about their families. And I was thinking that, you know, they didn't have that choice to move on. This always is something that's in front of their mind. So what I wanted to do this morning is for us to pray for those families and also to pray for our country as we um, really ask that God's peace uh, would come and be present in our world. So let's pray. Loving and faithful God, 15 years ago, many of us sat around televisions thinking, how could this happen? And as time has gone on, God, we've maybe become immune in some ways to that particular date, although we see terrorism constantly on the television. But God, we're thinking, especially this morning, of those families, of those 2,977 people and some who've died since then because of this tragedy. And God, we uh, pray that your comfort would be with those children who lost a parent. That God, you would touch the lives of those spouses who lost their husband or their wife. I pray, God, that you would console every single family member who uh, lost a loved one on that day. God, we are so grateful 
for the country that we live in. It's not perfect, but it lends a freedom that no other country in this world has. And so, God, we're so grateful for that. And, God, we ask that you help us as a country to turn to you first rather than to any philosophy or politician or person. We need your leadership. We need your guidance. We need your peace. You're the king of all things, God, and we want you to come and to be our prince of peace, which, Jesus, you said you, you would be. Help us now, God, to know how to live peacefully with one another in this world. And God, would you stir in our hearts right now a spirit of openness to learning from you on how we can schedule margin in our lives so that we could use your time wisely and that your name would be made great. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We thank you that you've already been present. God, would you now... um, Help us to be open to receiving from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you would say, I would love to have a little bit more time for myself to rest or do something I enjoy? How many would say you would like a little bit more time for rest or do something you enjoy? Okay. How many of you would say, if I had more time in my life, that would be awesome? How many would say that? That that would be awesome if I had a little bit more time in my life? Okay. How many of you would say, I would love to spend some extra time with the people that I love the most? How many of you would say that? Okay, if you're sitting by a person that you think you love, I would raise your hand right now, okay? Because they might take you out, all right? So you better do that. Okay, how many of you would say, I would love to have a little bit more time with God? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, you better raise your hand on this one. He could strike you dead right now. So, you know, you might want to raise your hand on that one. Uh, Folks, the reality is most of us would like to have some more time to invest in these important things like ourselves, our family, friends, and God. But this is the truth, that if God came and said, poof, I'm going to give you all an extra hour. You're going to have 25 hours each day now. It is very unlikely that you would spend that time doing those important things. And this is how I know. Just think about the last time that you got a day off that you were not expecting. It wasn't a planned day off. You just got a a free kind of day off. How did you spend your time? Well, many of you spent your time running and doing errands. Or you felt overwhelmed that there were projects that you didn't have done. Or you went and you started mowing your yard. Or you went into work so that you could get ahead in work. And chances are pretty good, that's what you did. Chances are that when many of these things hit that you felt urgent to do something about it, but you were so overwhelmed that you had this time that you never really did the most important of things. And in doing so, we lost our margin. If you missed the last two weeks, what I want to do is to kind of give you a working definite of margin, because some of you are like, margin, what's that mean? 
And so here's our working definition. This is your first fill-in, or you can uh, put it in your phone on your app as well. Here's the working definition. Margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. Margin is the difference between what you have and what you need. So if you have 30 minutes and you're supposed to go somewhere and it takes you 20 minutes to get there, how much margin do you have? Ten minutes. Look, there's like two people that know math here today, okay? <laughs> Ten minutes. That's what, yeah, that's what your margin is, okay? Last week, I talked about financial margin. So if you struggle with finances and having margin in it, you're just barely able to make ends meet uh, at the end of the month, I'd encourage you, check that out on the app or the website, uh, how that may help. But today, what I want to talk about is how do you schedule margin? All of our schedules get very jam-packed, and how do we find margin in the midst of those? It would uh, be helpful if we just had a little extra time. For instance, if you had some margin in your life, the next time that someone needs some help, and they come up to you and like, hey, I need some help, rather than you going, oh my gosh, I cannot believe they asked me. Do they not understand everything that I have going on in my life? I don't have time to help them out. Ugh. Or margin would look like that you would be able to rest or reflect or just relax. Margin is having a great amount of time with the people that you love the most. Margin is having quality time with the God of the universe who is head over hills in love with you. And yet, for most of us, margin is the very thing that we do not have. It's kind of like this. My Suburban right now has two decent tires in the front and two tires that are balding in the back. Now, when I drive my Suburban, what I've noticed is as I'm driving it, if I let my hands off of the wheel, it immediately starts to veer to the right. Do you know why that is? It's out of alignment. Exactly. There is no alignment. How many of you have ever driven a car before that was out of alignment? How many? Okay, good. You're with me. Good. And my problem is, is I'm way too cheap to go get those two tires because it is not winter yet. And so I can wait till then. But when I'm driving, man, that thing veers off to the right. Now, by nature, this is what's true about every single one of us in this place today. We are all out of alignment with God. By nature... It is very easy for us to get out of alignment with God. So to kind of get this point across, I'd like you to turn to the person beside you and just tell them right now, you're out of alignment. Okay, go ahead. Okay, that was just four words. You don't have to give descriptions on how they're out of alignment. Okay. Now, this is what I want to say. We, as human beings, we are sinners, and so we are out of alignment with God by nature. And so we're often kind of pulled to the culture rather than staying connected with God. Our culture pulls us off center so that we live in a margin-less lifestyle. 
Now, God must have known that you and I would struggle with having margin in our life. And so he sent a guy by the name of Paul who wrote close to half of the New Testament. And in writing it, he talks about margin in a particular passage in Ephesians chapter 5. And in verse 15, uh, he wrote these words. Let's read this out loud together, all of us in one voice. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Be very careful how you live. Because you don't understand that there is a pull that is taking you away from this relationship that you have with God. Pulling you away from the most important things so that you're over in the ditch in the lesser important things. And so you have to fight the pull of the culture because the culture will always pull you away from being aligned with God. Be careful how you live. Be careful how you plan. Be careful what you say yes to and what you say no to. Be very careful because the culture will always pull you out of alignment. The scripture goes on to say this. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Our culture is going to pull us away from what we would say matters most to us. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very, very careful how you live your lifestyle. Because the culture will always want to drag you off the road, just like my suburban, and to get you focused in unimportant, kind of meaningless life's stuff. Now, when it comes to scheduling, I think one of the problems is, is that many times we simply ask the wrong questions. Someone comes up to us and they say, hey, can you do this? Or can you uh, support this? Or can you encourage this? Is there something that you can do? And many times what we'll do is we'll go, uh, am I free to do that? Or other times we'll go, is it right to do that? Or is it wrong to do that? And I don't think that's the question we should ask. When there are opportunities that come our way, this is the question we need to ask when it comes to our schedule. Is it wise? Is it wise? In fact, uh, in your program or on the app, I have this kind of fill-in-the-blank that we'll work through here in a second, and it's this question. In light of blank, whatever it is, is it wise? In light of whatever it is, is it wise? If you're going to gain some margin in your life, you have to ask this question. So practically, what does it look like? Well, in light of our current family situation, should we do this? Or in light of our marriage and what's going on in our marriage right now, should I do that? Or in light of the fact that we have two small children in our family right now, uh, is this how I should spend money? In light of the fact that life is precious and short and it's not very long, it's a gift from God. In light of all of that, is it wise for me to spend my time this way? Again, the question is not, is it right or is it wrong or am I free to do this? The question always has to be, is it wise? And then once we ask this question, then we can come to our schedule and try to figure out, how do I schedule wisely? How do I schedule 
wisely. And it really comes down to this, that if you're going to schedule wisely, you must do this. You must learn to say no to the many good things so that you can say yes to the best things. We must learn to say no to the many good things so that we can say yes to the best things. In fact, let's say this out loud together, all together in one voice. This is what we have to do. What do we got to do? This is it. Say no to many good things so that we can say yes to the best things. Romans 12.2 gives us an image of the fact that good things will quickly become the enemy of the best things. Have you ever noticed that before? That the good things in life sometimes become the enemy of what are the best things. And Romans 12.2 puts it this way. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, to the pull of the culture, pulling us off of alignment. But be different. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's saying, change the way that you think. Think differently. Think different than what everyone else is doing. Don't get pulled like everyone else, the scripture says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, this is what I found in my own life. When I'm trying to be normal like everyone else, what I've found is that I get pulled toward the culture. Every time that I'm trying to live a normal life, I am pulled toward the culture. But the closer I am to God, all of a sudden I notice that I'm very different than what the culture is. The closer that my heart beats with God's heart, the more different I live, the more that I can invest in the things that God would say are the best things. So let me say this. Rejoice then, folks, when people come up to you and you're doing things in an alignment with God. Rejoice when they say, you're weird. Like... Someone comes up to you, hey, the way that you spend your money and you give money away to other, you're weird. Why did you sleep? Why did you not sleep in today? Why did you go to church? You're weird. Why do you get your kids up early and you have to go through fighting and they're, they're like ready to kill you and you're ready to kill them? Why do you do that? You're weird. Okay. And just so that all of us know that it's okay to be weird, I'd like you to turn to the person beside you right now and just tell them, you're weird. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> you add way too much to these small things, you know. Folks, this is the truth. Normal isn't working. Normal isn't working anymore. What's normal? Normal is marriage, then divorce. What's normal? Kids, rebellion. What's normal? relationships, emptiness. And when it comes to our scheduling, what is normal? Our schedule is overwhelmed, overworked, stressed out, and busy, 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 busy. I'm just so busy, 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 busy. I'm just busy. People don't even say busy anymore. They just go busy like that. Today, in fact, when you go up to someone 
And you're like, you know, what's going on in your life right now? What do they say? I'm what? I'm busy. I'm just busy. Uh, how's it going at work? Busy. Well, okay. Well, how about your family like? How, like, how's your family life going? Busy. And it's like just busy, 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 busy. I have never gone up to someone and gone, hey, hey, how's it going? And they go, restful? I'm just so restful. I mean, I just have so much margin in my life. I just feel, ah, I'm just restful. But it's always busy, busy, busy. Folks, busyness does not equal productivity. Just because you're busy, it doesn't mean you're being productive. And busyness does not equal important. It doesn't mean that you're more important because you're busy all the time. Busyness does not equal meaning. I know many people who spend their work life or their regular life spending all their time doing useless, unimportant, meaningless kind of things. So today, I want to dare you. In fact, I'm going to get in your face a little bit today. I want to double dog dare you, okay? Double dog dare to just simply do this, to say no to some of the good things so that you can say yes to what are the best of things. I mean, just because you could do something doesn't mean that you should do something. When we started the jar in my house 12 years ago, I think the community organizations must have known I was fresh meat. Because what immediately happened was I started getting bombarded with calls from all of these nonprofits wanting me to serve on their board, to help them raise money, to work in this ministry. Now, all of these causes that people ask me to do, they're good things. In fact, you might even say they're great things. But the more that I prayed about it and discerned that I had a a young wife and soon-to-be two young children, that even though they were good things for other people, they weren't the best things for me. So I made a decision early on that other than serving as your pastor, I would only commit to being a part of the YMCA board that is here. And in doing that, I had to give up a lot of good things. But the best things I realized were being with my wife and being with my two girls at night. Being with our extended family. Being with my church family. That's what you guys are to me. Your family. I love you. I want to see you grow in a relationship with you. And to do all of that the best way I know how, outside of serving on the YMCA board, I just don't commit to anything else. I have to say no to a lot of good things. And early on, I used to feel bad about it. Because early on, I, people would look at me almost like, you're a pastor and you're saying no to this nonprofit thing. You know what? We don't know if you're a pastor anymore. And all of you were like, we still don't know. You know, we just, we just come go, keep going back to the next show. You know, we're not sure. But in order to be able to say yes to the best of things... I had to say no to a lot of good things so I could invest in 
my marriage, invest in my kids, invest in you guys that I love, that my greatest desire is to see you grow and get closer to God. And I used to always struggle every time I'd have to say no or yes. And then one day I was reading scripture in which Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 5. He said these words. All you need to say is simply yes or no. I don't even have to give an explanation. How many of you ever feel kind of guilty when they ask and you know you have to say no and then you're like, well, the reason that I have to say no is because of blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, good. I feel so much better now. You don't have to go blah, 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 blah. You can just say no. You can just say no. And they're like, well, why? Because of no. No, no, no. I really want, like, but why? No. Because this is the truth, folks. Every time that you say yes to something, you're already saying no to what? Something else. And so you've got to be able to know, is this the best of things? Folks, the pull of our culture, it will always challenge you to say yes to everything. It will pull you to lesser important things unless you choose to be wise. Folks, be very, very careful, the scripture says then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity Because you get to choose. You get to choose how you spend your time. No one chooses that for you. You get to choose how you spend your time. Now, for the rest of our time, I want to talk to Christ followers just real quickly about three things that I think are most important in having a healthy relationship with God, with people in your life. Because... What I found is when you don't do these things, they become squeezed out of our lives. And these are the first things that go when margin is squeezed. When margin goes away, these are the first things that squeeze out. Now, if you're not a Christ follower right now, I think this would help you as well. But if you want to count the tiles or critique me or, you know, text somebody, you can. Um, It won't offend me whatsoever. But I want to talk to Christ followers here for a second. But I think it would be helpful for everyone. And here's the first thing, that if you want to have margin in your life, never let go of these things in your schedule. The first thing is intimate time with God, that you would actually have some intimate time with God. Now, again, by nature, folks, our heart is out of alignment with God. We get off center very, very easily. So daily, what has to happen is we have to get back realigned with God at the beginning of the day. We do this for some of you through scripture, maybe through prayer, just hanging out with God, worship music, something that gets you back aligned with him. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 33, but seek, what's the next word? What is it? Okay, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, where you live, where you sleep, what you eat. He says all those things, all of those things will be given to you as well when you seek me first. Now, a lot of you are sitting there right now and you're going, well, that's fine and dandy for you, pastor boy. I mean, you only work one day a week anyway, and that's only a couple hours. Like, 
you know, you probably have all this time. You can just be with God and everything else. But I live in the real world, pastor boy. And in living in the real world, I don't have time to spend time with God. And I would argue every single day that you don't have time not to spend time with God. You don't have time not to spend time with Him. You don't. If you want everything else to be added on to you, He says you must seek Him, what? First. This past week I took a friend of mine out to lunch. I thought he was going to pay. He's a wealthy guy, so I thought he would pay, and he didn't. And uh, we went out to lunch, and we sat down, and he started telling me about his life and how overwhelmed and stressed out he was. And I said, well, why is that? And he's like, the month of August, he's a very high-power person uh, in a company. And he said, uh, well, every single week of August, I was traveling. He's like, I was in Philadelphia then I was in St. Louis, Kansas City, just all over the place. And um, I asked him, I said, well, um, what else? And he's like, well, my wife's health is really bad right now. She had to quit the job that she was in. And I was like, oh, okay. And uh, then he went on and said that his family uh, was struggling quite a bit, too, that there were some health issues. And have you ever sat down across from someone before? And you just, like, see a fog of stress. Like, you can just tell that they are way overwhelmed. They are maxed out. They have no margin in their life whatsoever. And so I'm sitting there, and I get this prompting from God, the best way that I know how. Prompting is just something in my head I didn't hear audibly from God, but just in my head that said, ask him how his spirit is. And so I said, well, in the midst of all this, how's your spirit? And all of a sudden, he kind of put his head down, and he's like, it's not good. And I said, well, what's not good about it? He said, well, I can't remember the last time that I ever put God first in my day or in any part of my day. And then I said, well, when you're most connected to God, when you're most aligned with him, um, what do you notice? And he said, man, I am thankful. I am very, very thankful for everything, and, and I just haven't been. So we left from our lunch, which I paid. He should be thankful for that. <laughs> just joking, just joking. <laughs> and um, so we went ahead, and uh, I left, and I'm driving, and I'm just kind of praying for him because he's stressed out. And all of a sudden, I just get this uh, prompting again, buy him a journal. I'm like, God, why? And he's like, just buy a journal. So I go to a Christian bookstore, and I pick out two journals. And I'm not really sure which one to pick. And one was this girly journal. I don't know what was in my head, but it was like girly man all the way. And I send this to his wife, and I'm like, I like the words on it. So I was like, hey, I think the words are really... She's like, no, don't buy that for him. He'll never write in it, you know? And so I had to go get this manly journal that was brown, and this wasn't very nice at all, honestly. And he's, she's like, yeah, that's the one. I'm like, good. So I buy this, and I knew in that moment that I was going to ask him to do something to be challenged. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, I challenged you guys to spend five minutes alone with God, just listening to him. And the second thing I decided, I was going to ask him, because he said thankfulness was so important, 
that I would ask him to write down five things each morning that he was thankful for. And so I knew that if I didn't take it, take it to him immediately, I wouldn't do it. So I took it to his house and I walked up to the door. He's like, dude, my wife's in her pajamas. I'm like, well, I'm not walking in, you know. And uh, so I just handled the journal to him. I said, I'm going to text you what I want you to do. I just want to challenge you to do this over the next couple of days. And this was the text I sent. Wake up in the morning and go to your favorite chair. Take the first five minutes and chill with God. Set your alarm on your phone for five minutes. This guy is attached to his phone. I bet 20 times during our lunch it went off. Set your alarm on your phone for five minutes. When it goes off, write five things you're thankful for in your journal. Do this again the next day. Try to commit to doing this Monday through Friday. Now, to this guy's credit, he took me up on the challenge, and he did it. And so the next day, I called him. I said, well, how did it go? And he said, well, I got to my chair, and I fell asleep. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm quite an amazing pastor. I know how to get people asleep, you know? Like, that's, some of you are right now close to it, you know? And he's like, yeah, I just almost fell asleep. And I was like, well, what did you do when the alarm went off? He said, man. He's like, immediately, I thought of four things that I was thankful for. I wrote those four down. And I got to the fifth one, and I wrote it down. And he said, I went through the rest of my day. And he said, none of the circumstances changed with my job, my wife, my family. But something changed in me. And that whole day I was thankful. And so the next day, I asked him to do the same thing. And this is what he told me. Well, I took you up on that. And so he went down to the golf tournament that was at Carmel this weekend. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you're really taking this rest thing seriously, aren't you? And uh, again, he didn't invite me, but he went uh, and did that. But this is the thing, folks. I'm challenging you today. A couple weeks ago, five minutes alone with God, whenever you want to do it. And today I want to challenge you, write down five things this week that you're thankful for each day. And I'm telling you, as you go through the rest of your day, I would love to see how your day changes and how more productive it is because you, you sought to seek Him first. So the most important thing is to have intimate time with God. Here's the second thing. Take some intentional time of rest. Some intentional time of rest. Jesus said these words. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Those of you who are overwhelmed, you're hurting. Those of you who are single parents right now, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. Those of you who are business owners, and you're stressed out about how we're going to make it through. Those of you who are financially struggling right now, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. And he says, this is what I will give you. What's he say I will give you? I will give you what? He says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This is something that many of you do not have. You do not have rest for your souls. And you're just constantly going and going and going, and you're busy and busy and busy, but you don't have rest for yourselves. Most of us, what happens when we get busy, we lose the margin in our life. And we 
can't afford, we think in our minds, to take any rest. Now, what's interesting to me is when you get to that point where you're like, I don't have time to take off or to rest or to take a day just to chill. I'm reminded that when God created the world, he spent six days working. And then on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. And so we must be pretty arrogant to think that we can work more and produce more. By not taking a day off. In fact, one of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt honor the Sabbath, which is just a day of rest. Now, if God worked six days and took the seventh day off, why wouldn't we do that? But some of you are like, you just don't understand. I've just got so many things going on. And, and, you know, if I would do that, I mean, there's just no way it would all get done. Well, some of it probably shouldn't be getting done right now. And you might say, well, if I did that, I wouldn't make as much money or we wouldn't be able to produce. And God's saying, you don't understand. If you take six days and then you rest on the seventh, I'll make those six days more productive than you're doing right now with seven. Now, I personally, I struggle with this concept of Sabbath and taking a day off. I always have. And so at the beginning of the year, we had a series called Fresh Start. And one of those was to have a fresh start in our Sabbath. And I was challenged by a lot of people like, hey, I really want you to, um, you know, work at this. And so this is what I decided. On Sundays, whenever I get out of church, sometimes it's 1 o'clock, sometimes it's 2 o'clock, sometimes it's 6 o'clock, sometimes it's 8 o'clock by the time I'm done with what I need to get done. I take 24 hours from whatever that time is until Monday, the next day, and I just cease. To do work. And I try to rest and connect. And I try to be delighted in what God is. And it has made a huge difference in my life. So these are the important things that you have to keep in your schedule. Intimate time with God. Intentional times with rest. And the last thing. An investment with Christian friends. Like, it doesn't take away time in your life, it actually adds time in your life when you invest your life with some other Christ followers. Not acquaintances, not high school people, not people from college, not people that you just see every once in a while. I'm talking about people who will do life deeply with you. Relationships that are loving and respectful, and yet also they're truthful and they're honest. Relationships that are filled with tons of encouragement because nobody ever gains margin in their life, folks, on their own. You need people to challenge you to do that. You need Christ friends, uh, Christian friends who follow Christ around you so that they'll be able to say, it's okay for you to say no to these good things so that you can say yes to the best of things. Scripture puts it this way. Two are better than one, because together, if one falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, there's no one to help him. We are better together. We are able to help each other out. Folks, you were never meant to go through this life as a lone ranger just by yourself. You were meant to go through this life with people around you. You were meant not to face problems by yourself or sin by yourself, not the blind spots. You were meant to do it with people. And the fact is that each of you need other people in order to be healthy. 
If you don't have anybody in your life right now that you can be totally honest and connecting with, I, I pity you. I do. Because you're not as healthy as you could be. God wired you. God wired me in such a way that we need community. We need people around us who will encourage us. And that's why we have small groups in this church. You need people around you who are constantly saying, we believe in you. We're going to believe in God for you. We're not going to let you just drift away. We're going to encourage you and build you up. We're going to pull you through whatever this struggle is, whatever this crisis is. Folks, you don't need a whole lot of friends. For example, if I looked at your Facebook page and you look at all your friends, thousands of them, are they your friends? No. You know what they are? They're a clique. That's what they are. They are a clique so everybody knows what's going on in each other's lives. But they're not a friend. You don't need a lot of friends. You just need a few friends. A few friends in a small group that say, I'm going to be for you no matter what. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to encourage you. You'll never walk this alone. And a small group of Christian friends is something that you cannot let slip out of your schedule. Because when you have this, you'll have margin. I'd like to close by having you look at a story of Amanda. Amanda sat where many of you are right now, and she decided one day, hey, I'm going to take the risk to actually go and be a part of a small group. And when she got to that small group, she had a relationship in her life that was very broken and messed up. But instead of the group being judgmental, they actually encouraged her and supported her. So I'd like you to look at the side screens as we look at Amanda's story. Before I joined a small group, my relationship with God was strong. But my understanding of what it fully meant to live a life for God was lacking. There were parts of my life that I wasn't ready to give fully over to God, like my relationship with my mom. My mom caused me a lot of pain when she cheated on my dad years before and lying about it, which left a lot of resentment. She then, in a sneaky manner, told me she was getting married to a man who had verbally abused her and kicked her out of their house in the past. And because I wasn't excited or happy about her marriage, her and her family let me know how unsupportive and horrible I was as a daughter. I hadn't talked to or seen my mom in over two years, and it became a lot easier to just avoid her than it was to confront those problems. I joined a small group because I wanted to get a better understanding of the Bible. I thought that small group was just reading Bible passages, and then someone would interpret what that Bible passage meant. But it ended up being a lot deeper than that. We would study a passage, and then each person in the group would have the opportunity to talk about what the passage meant to them. For the first few months, I wasn't ready to open up about my relationship with my mom, and no one pressured me to share more than I was comfortable with. But one week, we were studying the story of a man in the Bible named Joseph, who had been hurt and betrayed by his family, and hadn't spoken to them in many years. In the end, he forgave them and reconciled the relationship. This passage hit really close to home, and God prompted me to open up about my relationship with my mom. I felt safe in the group to talk about what I was going through with her. Everyone in the group was so supportive during the times I opened up, and even when I cried. It's not a pretty cry. They helped me understand it's okay to not have all the answers to the problem right away. They're always willing to pray for me and continue to pray 
even when we aren't together. That's powerful. The prayer and support I received from my small group helped give me the strength to reach out to my mom. I sent her a text, and we ended up meeting when she was in town. Since then, things haven't been perfect, but I'm taking steps toward healing. I even got this text message from her a couple weeks ago. Joining a group may be a big step for you. It may be slightly out of your comfort zone at first, but it's worth it. So if you're willing to be challenged and encouraged to live a life fully for God, there's a chair for you too. everybody. My name is Emily, and I'm the small groups coordinator here at The Jar. And as you just saw in Amanda's story on the video, small groups are a great place where you can be challenged to grow in your relationship with God, but also find that support and encouragement to help you along the way. Um, so if you're sitting here thinking, I've never heard of a small group, I have no idea what that is, it's just a few people that get together a couple times a month, and they study the Bible together, talk about it, they pray, but there's no pressure on you to pray if you're not comfortable praying out loud, and just kind of have fun, have some snacks, um, and just enjoy that time together. So um, if you have never been in a small group before, this is a great time to try one out, even if you want to just go one time and see what it's like, or try a couple of different groups and see if you can find one that's a good fit. Um, just because a lot of our groups are starting up again, they've taken a break for the summer, we also have new groups starting. So all of our groups have a trained leader, and that's who all of these handsome and beautiful people here are. So I'd like to introduce you to them and tell you when their groups meet. So we have Amy Airy down there on the end, and she has a new group this year, um, a women's small group that's going to meet here right here at the Y on Sunday morning. Um, and then we have uh, John Bunch. This is Chris's dad, so he can tell you all kinds of funny stories about Chris at his group, which is also on Sunday mornings, um, and that's a mixed group. And then we have um, Ellie, and she leads a college-age group on Wednesday nights. And then we have Tom and Cindy Truesdale, and they have a group on Saturday nights that's a mixed group at their house. And Tom also leads a men's group only on Wednesday nights with Jamie, who is standing right next to him. And then this is Becky Kilmer. She has a women's group on Wednesday evening. And, and obviously some of them are here. And um, we have Jennifer Welch, who leads one of our only groups during the day that meets on Wednesday afternoon for women. And then um, Stephanie Bollinger has a, a 20-something small group that she leads on Wednesday evening. And then the Brooks, you met them earlier, so you know all about them. They have a Wednesday evening group. And then this is Jim Kriz, and he has a Friday evening mixed group with um, his wife. Um, and then these four people right here, they all are going to be starting an, another new group um, that will meet on Friday evenings. And so we have Ron and Lisa Reed and then um, Heather and Dan Turner. So they'll have a new group as well. So um, if you notice that your small group leader is not up here, that's because your group is closed. They're just getting a little full and asked me to um, just not tell everybody so they don't have too many people in their house. So that doesn't mean your group has stopped. It just means that their group is closed. So all of these leaders are going to be right over there at that wall right after church if you'd like to meet them and talk to them more about their group. Can we just give them a round of applause? They do some really awesome things. 
One other thing that I want to invite all of you to, if you're not in a small group, is next Sunday between the two celebrations, um, we're going to have something called Group Connect. So all of our new and open small groups will meet right here at the JAR, and you'll have a chance for just half an hour to just come and see what their group is like, meet some of the people that are in that group, and have just a, a little mini version of small group that's right here at the Y. So that's next week on the 18th between the two celebrations. So in your program, there's a card that looks like this. If you would pull that out, and we're going to give you just a few minutes right now that if you would like to um, try out a small group, you can fill that out. On the back, if there's a group that stuck out to you that you want to circle that, um, so I know. But if not, that's okay. I can help you find a group if you're not sure which one to try. So go ahead and do that now. You can, as you leave today, you can leave that on your chair and we'll make sure we pick that up for you. And just a reminder, if you are new here at the JAR, I would love to meet you. And so would um, Pastor Chris and the other staff at First Step with Chris, which is going to be right down that hallway and to the left. So you can come down there and meet us. So let's pray today and then you can be free to dismiss. Father God, I thank you so much for today. Thank you for um, just the reminder that you are a God of rest that you yourself rested and you want us to rest as well. And I pray that um, we would take time in our schedule to be with you and spend time with you and um, also just to, to rest and be with Christian community and um, support our, or surround ourselves with people that can support us. So help us to take that with us today and um, live our lives fully for you. Amen. Well, know that you are loved in this place. And if you would like prayer for anything, our prayer team will be right up here by the stage.